Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to episode 11 of the Hang Time with Halgie podcast. I am your host, Luke Algerson. It's a beautiful June 11th day here in 2020. Hopefully you're surviving this pandemic as we all are, and uh, you know how it goes. Five topics of the day. We're going to jump right into it. Topic number one, I'm going to continue with these uh, NFL win totals over-unders, and uh, you know we're going to stick in the NFC. I did the NFC North last time, but this time we're going to do the NFC South, uh, the same division that the uh, the North happens to be matched up against. So figured it might be an easy little transition to that. So first team we'll get to is the New Orleans Saints. Now their win total is projected at 10, 10 wins for the New Orleans Saints. And I got to tell you, last year they went 13-3, and three, still got Drew Brees, still got Michael Thomas, still got Alvin Kamara. I got to believe this team can win more than 10 games. I firmly believe they do. I think they're the favorites in the division, even though the Bucks have ramped up their team as well. I still think the Saints are the favorite and uh, should win this division. You know, it's it's just 10. They went 13-3 and three last year, one of the best offenses in the league. You can just look at their schedule right here. It's the 24th toughest schedule. That's not, it's not great. It's an easy schedule that they can get through. You know, they, I guess they got to go against the Packers. They do have the Chiefs at home, um, and then they go on the road to the Raiders, the Bucks, and the Eagles. So, you know, still some tough competition, and, you know, they are in a very difficult division with the Bucks. I think the Falcons will be pretty good this year, and uh, cases remains to be seen if uh, the Panthers will be any good this year. And, you know, they also have to – they got the Chargers coming to town who are going to be a tough matchup against them. So not a lot of easy games for them. But, you know, with and then they 49ers come to their building as well. So they do have some tough games, but a lot of them are at home. So I think the Saints will win more than 10 games. So I'm going to give them the over on this one. Second team we'll get to is probably the most compelling and interesting team coming into this NFL season in 2020 has got to be the Tampa Bay Bucks. With the addition of Tom Brady, the weapons that they added on defense, they're uh, definitely the I'm going to say they're going to be the team under the microscope this season. And um, they're projected to have nine and a half wins. Seems like a lot considering what they had last year. They only went seven and nine. That was with Jameis Winston as their quarterback. But they went seven and nine with Jameis, throwing 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. First player to ever do that in NFL history. And they were just two wins shy of their projected win total. Brady has never... I can't recall the last time Brady has not won 10 games in a season. I I can't even think of it. I don't even think he has. When you really go back and look, when Tom Brady's a starter for a full season, has his team ever not won at least 10 games? And I know it's not Bill Belichick anymore. I know it's not the Patriots system anymore. But Brady not too often has had an offense of this caliber. This Bucks team is going to be dangerous. This Bucks team could easily win the division for sure. It's, you know, I think the Saints and the Bucks are going to battle for that top spot. Like I said, I think the Saints are the favorite as of now because, the, you know, we just haven't seen Brady with this. You know, Brady's a year older. I know Breeze is a year older, but Breeze at least knows what he's dealing with with his weapons. Whereas Tom Brady, it's a brand new system, brand new opportunity for him. 
This is going to be his chance to really showcase himself. And I don't think this is just Joe Montana to the Chiefs. Like, this is the Bucks should consider themselves part of the Super Bowl conversation, as should the Saints. And at nine and a half, with seven wins last year with Jameis, I'm going to say the Bucks are going to go over here. I just I I can't see Tom Brady losing, not winning ten games in a season. I just don't see it. He's too good, greatest quarterback ever. I don't even know why that's debatable at this point. Tom Brady is by far the greatest quarterback ever, and um, you know nine and a half. It's uh. It's a tough number. It's a good number for Vegas for sure. But if you just look at their schedule, it's 16th toughest in the league. Some notable matchups. You know, they got the Packers, obviously the Saints, and the Chiefs at home. And then they go to the Broncos. Brady never plays well there, I understand. They got to go to Chicago. And then the Giants on the road. That's, you know, that's not a big game at all. Rams come to town. It's a... you know, they go up against the Raiders as well out in Las Vegas. You know, they got the Chargers at home. It's uh, I think it's a very winnable schedule. And I, I see 10 wins easily on here. I see 10 wins easily, especially. So I'm going to have to go. Yeah, I'm going to go with the, the Bucks getting that over. They're going to win more than 10 games. I'd be shocked if they didn't. Would be firmly shocked if they didn't. Third team in the NFC South. The Atlanta Falcons. Now they kind of had a rocky year last year. Only went seven and nine though, so same record as the Bucks, and uh, it's going to be tough sledding though for this Falcons team. Looking at their schedule ahead, fifth toughest schedule in the NFL. They got to go to Chicago, and obviously they got you know to play their division twice with the Bucks and Saints. So if anything, they'll be lucky to go one and one. No way they're beating both of those teams twice. And then they got the Cowboys. They got to go to Dallas. They got to go to Green Bay. They got to go to Kansas City. It's that's not that's not an easy schedule. That's not an easy schedule at all. Then they got to go to Minnesota as well. They also have Seattle coming to Atlanta. That's their home opening game. It's a that's a tough schedule right there. Really, the only tough, the easy game on it is going to be Panthers and Lions, but those teams are pretty solid. Those teams, you know, are is not going to back down. They're going to be better than they were last year. So, Falcons, seven and a half. It's a good number. But with that tough schedule, I know they added Gurley, but I, I don't know what else this team does. I've never been that big big fan of Matt Ryan you know he does put up good numbers they still have Julio Jones I'm gonna bring you know what I think they can win eight games I'm gonna give them the over I I say at worst they go 500 I I think they I think they can get to eight games so I'm gonna take the over on the Falcons maybe they'll surprise go seven to nine I think this division will be very good I think it's gonna be a very difficult division for any of these teams to win it's just not going to be handed to the saints because it's going to be tough so give me the over for the falcons at seven and a half i have them winning eight or nine games and then the final team is the carolina panthers now i know i'd like to think that they're not going to be that great you know it's the first time bridgewater will ever really have the starting job and uh but it's a not that difficult a schedule they got eight 18th toughest. They opened the season um, against the Raiders. 
they'll be on the they'll actually be at home for that but then they they got to go out to uh play the chargers they got to play they get to play the cardinals they got to go to kansas city they got the broncos coming to town they got to go to lambeau it's it's not a tough schedule but i McCaffrey is definitely one of the best running backs in the league, but I, I don't know. Five and a half. That's a, you know, they went five and 11 last year. So I'm actually going to give them the over as well with the easier schedule and thinking about how they went five and 11 with Kyle Allen as their starting quarterback since Cam was out all year. Five and a half seems a little low. I think this team has a lot more talent than people give it credit for. I know they got the new coach coming in, but. That's just going to ramp up the offense. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a solid starting quarterback, and he's going to prove the doubters wrong. He did great for the Saints last year when he stepped in for the injured Drew Brees. Uh, I'm going to give them the over. I think they'll win more than five and a half games. That, with this schedule that they have, they play the Redskins, Lions. I think they can go one and one with the Falcons. I think they can beat the Cardinals. I think they can beat the Chargers. I think they can beat the Raiders. They got winnable games. They definitely have winnable games. So I'm going to say the Panthers win more than five five games. So give me the over. So for this division, I'm taking the over. Every single team. That's probably a bad bet, but I'm giving taking the over. Every single one of the teams in the NFC South are going to go over. But with that being said, I would say only two teams are going to go to the playoffs. I would say only the Saints and the Bucks are going to go to the playoffs. Uh, my money is on the Saints winning the division, but you know Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback ever. It's gonna it's gonna come down to I think tiebreakers or just one game. So it's gonna be. I think this is one of the best divisions in football. That's why I'm also taking the over on all of these teams. I think all these teams are solid and have a lot of nice pieces, and just have to prove just have to go do it on the football field. So those that's how I see the NFC South playing out. Saints getting more than 10 wins. Bucks getting more than 9.5 wins. Falcons getting more than 7.5 wins. And the Panthers getting more than 5.5 wins. Second topic that I want to get to. The NBA dates are, I guess, more or less set. I just got a report today that they're looking, instead of the July 31st start to the season for it to resume, they're going to have an eight-game regular season then go into the playoffs. The plan was to have that start on July 31st. I'm seeing the report that says they're going to start July 30th. But as the rest of the dates go on, facilities are open. Teams can, guys can now go practice. I, I'm, I believe most of the facilities are open. I'm not aware of any of them that are actually closed. But uh, guys can now start working out. They can get it done. We're here June 11th. It's time. And come June 22nd, that's when the virus testing will begin. And then training camp begins in the home markets on June 30th. So they got some time, you know, to work things out at their home facilities. And then in about a week, July 7th, all teams travel to Orlando. 22 teams will be going. Went over those 22 teams. And, you know, besides the Suns and Wizards, I think all the teams, the rest of the teams out west definitely have a chance to get that eight, eight spot against Memphis. The other four teams. Portland Trailblazers, Sacramento Kings, San Antonio Spurs, and the New Orleans Pelicans. I think all of them, I think the Spurs maybe not with losing Aldridge, but the rest of them have a, definitely a shot to make the playoffs. 
And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So, and then the season, like I said, different reports I'm seeing, they might start the season July 30th or July 31st. But either way, that's when it's going to be. And then the draft lottery will be August 25th. The NBA draft will be October 15th. And free agency will begin October 18th. And moving into next season then, November 10th will be when training camp begins for the 2020-2021 season. And then December 1st is when they're going to start the next season. And I actually like that calendar. I actually like it. I would like... I would like basketball to start in December. I think it's a good time because that's when football isn't dying down necessarily. It's actually ramping up right there. But no one really cares about the beginning of the NBA season anyways. When you really think about it, when it starts in October, people don't really start paying attention until Christmas time. That's when they say that's when the real season starts. So if anything, when college football starts to wind down and they move into bowl games, I think that'd be a perfect time for the NBA to start. And I'm hearing reports that they're trying to ramp up the season, have more back-to-backs next year so they can get on their proper deadline. Wouldn't it make more sense to have the season run a little longer in the summer rather than just June? I think that would play out a lot better for the NBA because nothing is really going on in the summer besides baseball. And people consider the months of June, July, August, that's called the dog days of baseball. It's just the summer grind, and that's really the only sport going on during that time. Yeah, there's golf here and there. Yeah, NASCAR races here and there. But as far as the big sports go, all of them are out of session. All of them are out of session. So I think it would be great for the NBA to actually try and stick to this December 1st start date in seasons moving forward. I think it would be great if the playoffs happened in June and then they finish up in July, like middle of July, I think that'd be perfect timing. They'd get the most ratings because more people would be paying attention to it, more eyeballs on it. it. I think it makes a lot of sense for them not to rush next season and try to get back on their normal timeline. I say they start letting it run out. Get out, you know, have the playoffs start in June and then go into July and maybe the end of August or, you know, early August, how they do it. Just extend it two months rather than trying to get back on this schedule that they already have of going from October really to June. Why don't we just move that a little forward and we go from December to August? I think it would be better for the NBA ratings. It would get more people to pay attention to basketball during the summer months. And I know the summer league stuff. Yeah, you could still do that in August and September. Just move those dates up too. It's not difficult, people. And I think that would just work out better for basketball. I think this is a better timeline starting the season in December, and then running all the way to August. I know guys value their summer, but they live in nice areas. They still live in your Los Angeleses, your Miami. You still get nice weather in August and September and October. You just do. You're going to have nice weather during those times. And even if guys live in other cities, that's still a nice time. That's the transition right into, you know, fall. I think that's a better schedule for them to be starting in December. That's my personal opinion, and I'm sticking to it. But those are the dates of the NBA season, and I just can't wait for it to get started. I'm very excited to see how this season plays out. I'm going to give you my opinion once this season starts and the playoffs are set. I'll give you my opinion, and we'll do a little breakdown of how the bracket's going to play out of the 16 teams that qualify for the playoffs. 
I think the top parts of each conference are set, but you never know what could happen with those middle of the pack teams of the East and then the bottom part of the Western conferences is going to play out very nicely. I can't wait to see how these eight games work and how the playoffs work all together. So NBA coming back. Can't wait. Let's get it. Topic number three, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, had a statement yesterday that said 100% chance we are going to play this season. And that's what I like to hear. They want to play. The NBA, excuse me, MLB wants to get this done. They want to make it happen. They want a season. And they need a season. They 100% need a season. They need something to happen. Because if baseball goes a year without playing, and then they play another year, and then there's lockout because of the collective bargaining agreement that they can't agree on, it, it would just be disastrous for baseball. I've already stated this before. It would just be absolutely insane. But here's the direct quote from Mr. Rob Manfred. We're going to play baseball in 2020, 100%. If it has to be... In that March 26th agreement, so be it. But one way or another, we're going to play baseball. And what he's talking about with that March 26th agreement is it was the first thing that they agreed upon when the coronavirus shut everything down, that Major League Baseball could just put out a 48-game season. They could, Whether the players or Major League Baseball ever comes to terms with each other and agreeing to a deal that both of them have come up to, which they haven't, Everything's getting rejected. Major League Baseball could just be like, forget it. We're doing 48-game season, extended playoffs, add more teams to it. That's how we're going to get it done. And yeah, I think that's actually what's going to happen. Because at this point, neither side is budging. Neither side is willing to wiggle and make room and make something happen and agree with the other side. Major, MLB just put out... Uh, an idea of having an 89-game season. Excuse me, the players decided to do that, but I think that got shut down. Major League Baseball put out like a 50-game schedule for all the players to get their prorated salaries. Players denied that. It's just, I think with all these getting denied, eventually they're going to get to one number and realize we just need to play. Because it's June 11th. The more days it goes by without them agreeing to a date, the less baseball they could possibly play. And Major League Baseball is adamant. They want the season to end September 27th and then go into the postseason. It's the last day. It's the last possible time they could do it. And with the rate it's going, I don't know how they could possibly have it happen. I know Manfred, very optimistic. I love that he's saying that they're going to play. I think inevitably they are going to get a season done, but a 48-game season? If you think about it like this, last year the Nationals started the year 19-31 and 31 before they turned it around and made a push for the playoffs. They wouldn't make the playoffs in this scenario. Even if it was extended out to other teams, they wouldn't have made it. That's why it's so important for baseball to get so many games to really decide who the best team is. That's why I think they have to play at least, my guess would be they have to at least play 80 games. If not, as short as like 70. Because you at least need to see how these teams shape out, what your roster is, how your rotation is going to work out. You, you need it to get done. And if it's just 48 games, it's going to change everything. A reliever is probably going to win Cy Young 
I think they're going to give Cy Young again to Jason DeGrom, who went 3-2 and two with a 180 ERA and only 8 or 9 starts. No chance. They're going to give it to a reliever who appears in every other game and faces a few batters. That's just how it's going to work. It's going to change the complete dynamic on how we do awarding and everything like that. So you have to have as many games as possible. And each day they go by, they're allowing limited number of games. So baseball, please, please, for the love of God, figure this out. I know Manfred's saying they're going to play. And if it has to be 48 games, I'll take, take some games over no games. But preferably make more games. We need more games. Owners, give in to the players. They produce the product on the field. Give them their salaries. Make it happen. Make baseball happen. This is the time. This is the time we should be seeing baseball. should be the NBA Finals right now, and then we roll into the dog days of summer, which I'm a big fan of for baseball. Nothing's going on. Nothing's going on. What better to watch on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night and just throw on the TV and there's some baseball. That's what we need. We need baseball back. So, dear God, Manfred, owners, players, figure something out because we need baseball back. Topic number four that I want to get to is one league has actually decided what they're going to do. The NHL of all teams has, of all leagues, has decided what they're going to do. And they're going to have 24 teams compete for the Stanley Cup. They're going right into the playoffs. And this is how it's going to work. The tournament will begin as with the Stanley Cup qualifiers, which will include 16 teams playing eight best-of-five series and a round-robin among the top four teams in each conference to determine seeds for the Stanley Cup playoffs. So they're actually not jumping right into it. So they're going real interesting. Like I said, what is going to be 16 teams playing eight best-of-five series and a round-robin among the top four teams in each conference to determine seeding. NHL pause their season on March 12th, right around the same time that the NBA, they called it off on March 8th. And, you know, hockey would be over, but I'm glad some of these leagues are actually figuring this out. Uh, It's great. Some of these teams actually know what they're doing. NBA, they wanted to get their season going again. They asked all the players to reach out to them. NHL, they wanted to get something done. The only thing holding the NHL back, they just got to find the host city. They need to have somewhere to host it because... NBA, they got Orlando. MLS, also going to be in Orlando. Both playing at the same complex at ESPN Wide World of Sports. NHL just needs to figure out what they're going to do. And they're going to have a Western Conference city and an Eastern Conference city. Um, That's how it's actually going to play. So the qualifiers will be held at two hub cities to identify one of the 12 participating teams in the Eastern Conference and 12 of the Western Conference teams. So they're still trying to figure out where it's going to be. But as of right now, I'm seeing that the candidates will be uh, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. So they got the cities. They just got to figure it out. They just got to see what's going to happen, how, it, how it's going to work, and all this and all that. In the Eastern Conference, the Boston Bruins, Tampa Bay Lightning, Washington Capitals and the Philadelphia Flyers will each have a bye and play each other once to determine the order of the top four seeds for the first round of the playoffs. So those are your top four in the Eastern Conference, Bruins, Lightning, Capitals, Flyers. And then 
for the best of five qualifiers, you got the Pittsburgh Penguins versus the Montreal Canadiens. Then you have the Carolina Hurricanes versus the New York Rangers. The New York Islanders versus the Florida Panthers. And the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And then in the Western Conference, you got the St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, Vegas Golden Knights, and the Dallas Stars. Those are your top four seeds right there. And then in the best of five for the Western Conference, you got the Edmonton Oilers versus my Chicago Blackhawks, the Nashville Predators versus the Arizona Coyotes, the Vancouver Canucks versus the Minnesota Wild, and the Calgary Flames versus the Winnipeg Jets. So they already know how it's going to work. They already know what they're doing. And I actually really like this. I'm a big fan. Top four teams play each other each once to decide seeding of who gets the number one seed and whatnot. And then best of five qualifiers? That's tasty. That's tasty. So they kind of are bouncing right into the playoffs when you think about it. They're already having a best of five series between the not top four teams to really figure it out. Really giving everyone a chance. At least those who are invited. Those who are the solid teams. The teams that have the winning records. It's going to be great. I think it's going to work out really well. But it also ends the season for seven teams. That includes the Buffalo Sabres. New Jersey Devils, Anaheim Ducks, Los Angeles Kings, San Jose Sharks, the Ottawa Senators, and the Detroit Wet Rings. And uh, each will participate in the NHL Draft Lottery, which will be held on June 26. So, and here's how the games are going to work. Games in the eight best of five series in the qualifiers will be played uh, with playoff overtime rules. The round robin Games will be played with regular season overtime and shootout rules, with ties in the standings broken by regular season point percentages. It, ho- hockey's doing something right. At least they've had the plan and set for a while. They just need to find the venues to play. That's all they need to do. They just need to find the places to play. So good for hockey. They had the plan early. Now it's just executing. Find the cities. Find the locations to play. Because... We need any sports. We need any and all sports to come back. Because I I can't just keep sitting on my couch watching Netflix night in and night out. I need something else. I I need something else to watch that's live entertainment. And what better thing than that than sports. And that's what will bring us together. In these times of uncertainty and disarray, sports will bring us together as one unit. Watching a team achieve glory. And that's what we need right now topic number five that i want to get to is yeah i don't talk about nascar all that often and i'm going to tell you i won't talk about nascar all that often but nascar did do something good they can they banned the confederate flag at all of their racetracks and for some reason people are having a hard time wrapping their head around why they would do such a thing or like how could they this is a history it upholds a nation. It's got high... Whatever people are saying for how this is a bad thing, it's a good thing. Because guess what? The Confederate flag is racist. Whether you like to believe it is or not, I firmly believe it is. What did, the, what did we go to war for? What was the Civil War about? It was one side wanted slaves, the North didn't. The Confederates wanted slaves. That's what it was. That's what the Civil War was about. That's what the Confederate flag upholds. You want slavery. And anyone can say whatever they want about, oh, no, people wear the flag and they're not racist. Bullshit. I don't believe that. Because they they wanted slaves. 
They wanted slaves. That's what that flag symbolizes. Slavery and hate. And you could say, oh, it's part of our history. It's part of our tradition. Hey, guess what? Nazis, the Nazis were part of Germany's history. You don't see anyone allowed to have flags up. Uh, You go to jail. You go to prison for that. You're lucky this country gives you enough free speech to where, and, you know, your decision to have whatever religious beliefs you want and believe in whatever you want here in this country. But the line needs to be drawn. If your group that you associate with is with hate, and that's what your little group or whatever, like the Confederates are, push off, yeah, it should be banned. It should be getting rid of. It needs to go. And it's good for NASCAR stepping up and doing this. And it, it really, this should have been done a long time ago. The Confederate flag should be, shouldn't be something that's flown high and proud Like, you shouldn't be proud to wear a Confederate flag. You wanted slaves. They wanted slaves. I don't care if it's a part of your history. I don't give a shit about any of that. They wanted slaves. That's what the war was over. That's what it was all about. Lincoln abolished that. He had to get rid... They got rid of it. That's why they wanted to kill him. Because he wanted to free the slaves. And That's what the war was about. I, I don't know why this is so hard for people to wrap their head around that... It's a good decision for NASCAR to get rid of the Confederate flag. Frankly, I see you wearing a Confederate flag. I assume you're a white trash racist. That's what I think. When I see the Confederate flag, that's what I think. Oh, they must live in Alabama and they must not like black people very much. That's why they're wearing that flag. Oh, it's a part of our history. Like I said, the Nazis are a part of Germany's history. No one's allowed to walk around with Nazi memorabilia and be like, Oh, this is part of our past. This is part of my family name. I believe in it. Yeah, it's a shitty part of your family name. You shouldn't be proud to wear that. You shouldn't be proud of that history. You shouldn't be proud that you had slaves or slave owners. You shouldn't, shouldn't be proud of yourself for that. You should be disappointed in yourself, and you should be embarrassed of yourself for wanting to wear something like that. You should be absolutely ashamed. Absolutely ashamed. And those are the five topics. And uh, final thing that I want to get to is the always ever important unpopular opinion. And now the unpopular opinion today, we're going to stick on the baseball side. I said last time Barry Bonds should not be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, if you want to go back and listen to it, feel free to go check out episode 10 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. And uh, but yeah, sticking with baseball, I believe that they should change the rules. And this is the small rule change. I'm just going to talk about one of the rule changes that I want to change because it is an unpopular opinion. I go on and I say this and people uh, go crazy on me for even thinking this is a good idea. But they need to do this rule. And that rule is they need to have the designated hitter in both leagues. They just do. I'm tired of watching pitchers go up there and hit 100 and strike out pretty much every at-bat and I don't want to hear anything about small ball. Oh, it, it helps situationally. It makes the game more strategic. No. At this point, baseball needs to ramp it up. They need to have as much enjoyment in the game as possible. What's enjoyment? Hitting. Get your best hitters in the lineup. And I'll take this to the grave. I'm a huge Cubs fan. Diehard Cubs fan. And I think Kyle Schwarber should be all-time DH. I think all he needs to focus on is is hitting. If we want to play him in left field sometimes, that's great. But he's too good a hitter for us to have to decide whether 
oh, he should play in the field, or, oh, we have to use him later in the game because our pitcher has to hit. Let me tell you, watching John Lester, you Darvish, go up there, swing the bat, it's a joke. It's embarrassing. Yes, blind squirrels do find nuts and hit home runs, and their videos go viral. People are like, oh, well, then we wouldn't have got the Bartolo Colon home run if we didn't. Yeah, good. You would have had another guy go up there and hit 20 home runs a year if he had a DH. That's what would have happened. He would have hit, and you would have had another guy on your roster who could put up 70, 80 RBIs, probably even more than that if he's your DH and your all time hitter to go up there. It just, it would be better, in my opinion, be better for the game if there was a DH in both leagues. That's why AL offenses are better. They have another hitter in the lineup. And frankly, Pitchers shouldn't have to worry about hitting. There's a chance for injury. Oh, running on the bases. What if they're running hard down the first? Oh, they pull a hammy. Oh, they're out for a month. Or you never know what could happen out there. You get hit by a batter. You break your hand. You get hit by a pitch. You break whatever. It's just it would save so many injuries from pitchers to not have to worry about running bases, you know, laying down bunts. And even case in point, Max Scherzer the other year, you know, taking batting practice, working on his bunting. Oh, ball hit him in the face, broke his nose. Now, he's a dog and an absolute beast and still went out and pitched that same night after breaking his face. That's incredible. But that's one guy who's an absolute beast. I don't want to take the chance of my pitcher getting hurt because he has to go up there and hit when he's most likely going to just strike out or ground out. Or hit a can of corn pop out. It just, is it even worth it? And and it's not. That's why we need to get the best hitters up when we possibly can. Ramp up the offenses. Make them better. And I understand, yeah, offenses are already hitting record home runs. And home run records are being broken by teams every year. Oh, but those records could keep going up. That could keep getting better. You can put your best fielders on the field. And you can have your best hitters at the plate. And I don't have to worry about my pitcher potentially getting hurt. That's the big part about this rule to me. I don't want my pitcher to get hurt by having to run the bases or whatever fluke thing can happen at the plate. Because guys are throwing 95 plus and and my pitcher has to go against that. No, I want my pitchers to focus on pitching and I want my hitter to focus on hitting. Now, there is one guy who is kind of an exception to this rule, and it's Otani with the Angels. And I think he's an absolute beast. Now, if teams want to, oh, if you want your pitcher to hit, okay, I'm totally fine with that. If that's a managerial decision that you want your pitcher to go up there and hit, I'm more than okay with that being acceptable and letting the DH rule pass. But he's the only guy. He's the only person to where that could possibly come into effect. I don't know any other pitcher out there who can hit the ball like he can. Frankly, there is no one else. There's no one else who could throw 98 and go up and hit 500-foot home runs. Otani's the only one in the league who's capable of doing something like that. And he'd be the only one to have to worry about something like this happening. And obviously, you want Otani to get as many plate appearances as possible, especially now with the lineup that they have. Whew. Angels are going to have a dangerous lineup. I don't believe in their pitching at all, but that's a story for another day. But he's the only one. So that's why 
DH both leagues. I'm tired of these awful pitchers going up there and hitting the ball. Pitchers don't rake. Pitchers don't rake. You go, just go look at the averages. It's an absolute joke. It's an absolute joke. I don't even want to know what Bartolo Colon hit for his hit for his career. It couldn't be more than 130. Couldn't be more than 130. It's just I don't want pitchers hitting. They're bad at it. They're not good. And yeah, it takes away situationally. Oh, yeah. So he doesn't bunt over. That's the only person you have to worry about. Wouldn't you rather have a guy if you have a guy on first? And you could get him over to second. Wouldn't you rather have a guy who could possibly put it over the fence and not even have to worry about sack bunting? And you could do some other things, a little hit and run action. You can't rely on your pitcher to do that. Pitcher's not going to get the job done doing that. He won't do it. You got to. It's just, uh, it's aggravating how many people are in favor for the DH rule to only apply to the AL. And yeah, it differentiates, differentiates the leagues a little bit. But they're not changing for any other sport. AFC in the NFL is not doing different rules from the NFC. NBA, Eastern Conference does not apply the same. They're playing by the same rules in the Western Conference. They're not like, oh, well, your fifth guy actually has to be a water boy if you're in the Eastern Conference. No, that's not how it works. Nope. No, they don't do it like that. NHL, no, they're not playing by different rules based on the Eastern and Western Conference. No, no. The only sport that's doing this is baseball. I understand. Baseball, hey, doing something different. But no, it's time to do something different. And it's time to add the DH to the NL. And they're going to do this this season. When they do play games, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. They are going to have a DH in both leagues. And I think it's great. And people are going to see that it's great. Just a fun fact for everyone. Since I mentioned Bartolo Colon... Yeah, his home run went viral. It's absolutely incredible how that man managed to hit a home run. But you want to know his career average? 21 big league years <laughs> of going to the plate. He has uh, a .084 batting average. .084. He doesn't even get on, out of 10 times, he doesn't even get on base once. It's just, uh, it's atrocious. It's absolutely atrocious that we allow someone who should be focusing on another skill in the game to have to worry about something like hitting. Pitchers pitch, hitters hit. DH, both leagues. Rob Manfred, you're welcome for the rule change. And I can't wait to see it in action this year live. Kyle Schwarber being the all-time DH for the Cubs. Let's get it done. And that is the end of episode 11 of Hang Time with Halgi. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Episodes going to keep coming. I promise they're going to keep coming. Anyways, I'm out until next time. Just remember, wash your damn hands. All right. Peace.